0: I don't know. I would say, like, like thigh area. Maybe one of my butt cheeks. That would hurt. But I don't think... Uh, hey, I don't think there's a, a, a good look. answer to this.
1: <laughs> what if you, like, like, cut off my hair? Let's see how much we can get with that. <laughs> Everybody. welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched.
0: This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Gentleman. The last <sighs> Guy Ritchie film we're doing this month. Yep, we're ending the month of June with a bang.
1: Um, and as I keep alluding to the more and more episodes we do, uh, yeah, I think this is my favorite. Um, I think this is my favorite Guy Ritchie movie, period. I really love the man from uncle and I really love the first Sherlock. I like the second Sherlock a lot too. Um, but I just watched this movie back to back in order to prepare for this. And it was like, just, just, I loved it both times. I love it every time. Um, no notes.
0: So <laughs> no notes think? to Guy Ritchie, <laughs> no notes. Perfect. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. I think it's like, it's easily his best. And, you know, I, I am curious, like if Lockstock or Rock and Rolla, and, and we talked about it when we did the Rock and Roll episode, was the, was w- what would happen if this was made like today with those big name stars, as big name as they are today, rather than back then. But with with uh, Lockstock, like on the technical aspect, budget aspect, like if that was remade today with the prowess of Guy Ritchie, um, you know, circa 2023, would it rival the gentleman? Because the gentleman is like everything that he's made up till this point, it, it's like this is his peak. I I feel like I feel like that's how it's it's made. And of course, he he's gotten better, you know, become a better writer, become a better filmmaker in general. But is a lot to do with it? Budget and notoriety? I wonder.
1: I don't know. I think if he remade Lockstock in 2019, it would have been The Gentleman. So I don't think it would have been much different. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think like there's a couple scenes in this where I was like that's the like definitely like the Tarantino influence has gotten more and more on him. Where just like, it was very dialogue heavy. People would nitpick a certain word. Someone said like, uh, cuts uh, were we're, faster. Yeah. But I remember one specifically, um, Rosalind says, um, it'd be a little bit absolute. And then dry eyes like, we'll have to stop you right there. It can't be a little bit absolute. It's either is, or it isn't, you know what I mean? That's like totally like, the nitpicking of the language and just like completely like focusing on it is like a, I don't know, to me at this point, it's a Tarantinoism. So So, um, but I think, yeah, the dialogue was better. I think the, um, I like the cuts were still all the same, right? Like just like the way in which the story is told in kind of a way of like sort of out of order in bits and just like makes the movie a little more interesting. Um, super, yeah. super hilarious. And then I, I think, you know, you know, you didn't have Colin Farrell in the last three.
0: So like. Right. Just... Which is, which is definitely an upgrade. I'm kind of sad to not really see another Vinny Jones or Jason Statham since, uh, since snatch, you know, like I was kind of looking forward to, cause I feel like those two actors are, are a good staple, like making a Guy Ritchie movie. So I was kind of sad that that they couldn't stick Vinny Jones somewhere in there just bashing a dude's head into car door just one last time. Um but but man, they brought in some heavy hitters. Like 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 you said Colin Farrell, um Matthew McConaughey, and then I know I've mentioned it all this month, but Taylor and I just finished Succession. So when we saw Jeremy <laughs> So when we saw Jeremy strong in this, we both like our shit flipped out. Um, It was and he's I don't think you understand like how good of an actor someone is if you don't know them personally. So like watching him play Kendall in succession, you're like, okay. but then watching him play Matthew in, in this movie, you're like, oh, my God, just totally different.
1: Well he's definitely having fun in this too. I imagine, you know, I'll eventually watch Succession. I imagine he has a little bit of fun as that character too. Oh, definitely. But, but this one is over the top, gets exactly. like chew the scenery, gets like some really great dialogue. Um so like I definitely think he had fun with this. What what's interesting about this movie too is that Matthew McConaughey is playing a completely straight No nonsense, like not not even a bit of funny in his character at all. Like he is there is never a line he delivers that is like the comedy, right? He sets other people up for for the comedy, but he is like barely smiles in this movie. And it's kind of interesting, like having him just be that, um, which I think he's great at in this. But it's like, I mean, he's got some other tools that could have been used in the movie. And they're like, nah, that's not what you're that's not what you're here for in this one.
0: What was funny with him doing an accent like this, it's not that convincing to me. I mean, I, I, I was actually appreciating Brad Pitt's accent. Or, he's not you know, doing his, he's
1: playing an he's playing an American in this. There is no accent.
0: Well, that's the thing. He's playing but he has a slight British uh, accent in his in the way he speaks. But then it's like it's explained that he's American born, American raised, and that he only spent like um some, you know, is I mean, later since college. years
1: yeah i mean since yeah. college still more than half of his life right at this no point. i know
0: but but so that explains why it's like adapted english accent it's like it's like a halfway between and i think he i think knowing that about his character he actually plays that really well because you can still hear matthew mcconaughey under matthew McKenna, mcconaughey trying to do an english accent and i think i was like I think, if you I, there was no attempt i don't think there was an attempt <laughs> I think there was an attempt. You don't think there was an attempt. You think it was straight. I, think I don't. I, I heard. A,
1: I think what he was doing was just playing a very reserved version of himself. You know, there was no all right, all right, all rights and things like that. Um, <laughs> so I think he. And I think he tried to talk in a very proper way. Um, but no, I don't yeah. think. I do not think an accent was attempted.
0: Hmm. Mm. I and mean, we can sit here all night and argue about it but I just I'm, I agree to disagree again eh it's fine it's fine Jeremy Strong's accent his like I don't even know what the, I don't even begin to describe what he was trying to do I'm here to but, help Michael
1: <laughs> I don't know
0: <laughs> it, was like, it was like the grown man all of a sudden try to do like a valley girl accent but it, it worked so well for his character because it was like this rich pompous ass but with this like slight twinge I, I don't know whatever he was doing it was great and i loved every minute of it and you're right he did choose the scenery in every scene he was in
1: well you know what i think too you said that you kind of don't remember him in this but his character in the big short has a completely different like look about him it has this like kind of tough new yorker brooklyn thing going on and like his, his the way he talks is very like reminiscent of that too. And so to see him in this and know he's in succession and, and the other things you've seen him in, like, he's definitely, it's definitely like, I don't know. He, he fucking knows what he's doing. Right. Um, no, of
0: course, of course. And then like, um, uh, he was in zero dark 32, you know, oh yeah, that, a, a much that a little smaller bit, yeah. role. Yeah but still very very different. And then of course, dude, oh my god, you have fucking um Hugh Grant, which is he Hugh Grant in this is nothing of of what Hugh Grant has ever done. I've ever seen Hugh Grant do. Like this is a new new Hugh Grant. It's great.
1: Yeah, it's great. The accent, the like the smarm, just everything about it. The like the latent like homosexuality where he keeps hitting on Ray and you like, don't know, is it real or not? Like, you know what I mean? Like when the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, he's just gay. And he's kind of like, he keeps hitting on Ray. And then like, every time I watch it now, I was like, is it just a joke or is he like, what is he doing there? Um, Yeah. he is. he's so good in this. And that's the thing too. It's just like, there's so many different people you could like glom onto and be like, Oh, I love him in this. And we haven't even talked about Charlie Hunnam who. It's playing more of a straight character, but it's fucking yeah. great. He's actually like the first insta video or TikTok or whatever that I saw from this movie was the scene where he's chasing after that dude. Yeah. And he tries to pay for the phone and then uh the guy pulls out the machete and he just like
0: All right and then pulls the gun out. <laughs> like I think I think this is how I first heard about the movie is the fact <laughs> it's the fact that um, clips of this showed up on like Sigma male channel clips. Um, uh, I think,
1: yeah, you said that last time. I mean, it also just showed up on like movie clips.
0: Well, it's the it's the scene you're talking about with Charlie Hunnam, right? But another uh-huh. one that I've seen is the Colin Farrell in the in the deli.
1: Yeah, but which is also just like once again, it's just like probably the funniest scene in the movie. Um you know, there's definitely <sighs> some
0: not. You know what it kind of reminds says. me of? Well, yeah, that's true. But you know what this this kind of reminds me of? Those two scenes especially, but like the movie as a feel is um the Kingsman movies.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I could see that a little bit
0: um I guess it's the way they dress and the way they kind of they're all English and pretty sure Hugh Grant's in both of those. So. Well,
1: and also the reason you feel that way is because the director, Matthew Vaughn, um, also directed Lair Cake and was involved in Snatch and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So.
0: Oh, well. Then that.
1: <laughs> That's why it sort of explains everything. So,
0: yeah, that, 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 that definitely explains it. Oh, you know who I'm thinking of? It's not uh Hugh Grant. It's uh Colin Firth in uh in The Kingsman. oh uh,
1: yeah. Uh, who yeah. does he remind you of?
0: No, it, it's just like the whole feel. It's not like one specific character reminds me of one specific character. It's just like the whole feel of the fighting, the choreography and the fighting, especially like the 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 YouTube guys and their choreographed fighting, um, just very Kingsman Secret Service like. But the, the, yeah, the toddlers. Now that you, the toddlers. Yeah, now that you say that, though, that the same director worked on that, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, you know, you keep bringing up this whole like, you say Sigma male. I mean, I think they call themselves alpha males, but it's whatever. Um, Sigma
0: is Sigma is like. A new it's level. Above? Of, yeah, it's above. You got so Sigma, like, Alpha, and then Beta. Is it kind of similar to like
1: S tier? Or what are we saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you're on the right track. So anyway, um, the all the Matthew McConaughey lines in the beginning about like, if you want to be the king of the jungle, you have to da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Like all of that is kind of, yeah, I agree with. Um, but I love this is kind of the most interesting use of narration of, of all these movies we've done. Um, you have Matthew McConaughey with that, like little bit, which is like, whatever. But then the use of Hugh Grant for like almost 70% of the movie, just sort of narrating these scenes, being an unreliable narrator. And like, sometimes he'll say something and then, Uh, Charlie Hunt would be like, oh, well, we know it didn't happen that way. He's like, I know, just having a little bit of fun. And then we get to see it the real way. And then towards the end, we get to see some scenes where it's like kind of questionable if that happened, but we don't really get what really happened. So it's just a very interesting device for this movie.
0: No, I think it's like it brings a whole nother layer to to this film that the other ones did not have. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was such an, at first I thought it was kind of a hokey way of doing it. And then as it as I realized that this is the whole movie, then I really bought into it. Like I was like, okay, I can, I can, I can get behind this. Um, And then, you know, you mentioned layer cake, which is a movie I mentioned to you that I haven't seen that I really want to do. Um, But one thing about layer cake that this movie does from the from the clips I've seen of that film is the misdirection with camera work. And we see that in the very beginning where Matthew McConaughey supposedly gets uh, supposedly gets shot and killed. Um, But I know you've seen this a bunch of times, but I'll tell you, I never thought McConaughey died at the end of this movie, even seeing that. The beginning? Yeah.
1: I did. Um, I guess I don't know. It just really caught me off guard the first time I saw it. I was like, "Oh wow, we just find out that he died," and then when it's kind of shown to you that he didn't, I was like, "Oh, all right, well that's that's very obvious, right?" Like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of an interesting way to show." I mean, really, after seeing all the other um, Guy Ritchie movies this month. It's like, okay, well, yeah, like our characters never die. So like they're never, <laughs> they're just, they're always, gonna, they're always going to, they're always going to make it. Um,
0: Except for Mickey's mother.
1: May she rest in peace, you know? Um, so I want to, let's, let's get back into it. So just right from the beginning, talked about the narration a little bit, and then it starts with Hugh Grant in, um, you know, after that opening scene where we think Matthew McConaughey died, it starts with Hugh Grant back in, like, a, a you know flashback, which is basically the whole movie. It's always interesting when there's, like, a flashback that's almost the entire movie. But we yeah. flashback to Hugh Grant in uh, Raymond, Charlie Hunnam's house, and he's like, I, uh, I'm going to sell this story to the newspaper, to Dave for 150 but I want $20 million from you. Um and just the dialogue, you know, for all the other movies, I didn't write down the dialogue because I didn't want to get bogged down in it. But I think the dialogue in this movie is so good, especially Hugh Grant, where he's like, I'm going to tell you a story about why my quote is my quote. Um, and it's just like the, it's just, I don't know. It's just the way he talks is so good. And then we have all these, like, he starts talking about how, like, oh, not digital, you know, celluloid, the film, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trailer, I mean, cut smash, yeah. interior gala dinner. All of that. Awesome. You know, when he does the whole backstory of Matthew McConaughey, how he came up the hard way.
0: Um, all you, great. Have you seen this in theaters? Is that the first time you've seen it or you've only seen it uh, on like streaming? I only
1: saw it on streaming. The first time I saw it was uh, on my, I think on my, on an airplane, maybe.
0: On an airplane. I would, it, it would be amazing to watch that scene in theaters because I could imagine like the whole movie theater going crazy. Yeah, probably, probably.
1: Um I love to the line where he's uh talking about uh we get introduced to uh your boy from succession who plays Matthew and they're like back and forth about who's given the most money and Hugh Grant's like it's a good old fashioned cock-off. It's yeah. such a good line. Um
0: Hugh Grant's accent in this, like his whole persona, I wonder if Guy Ritchie was like, "Hey, you you see Statham in my movies?" Do that. Do that.
1: <laughs> well, he said he wasn't playing anything specific, but I assume people think it's like a very you know he's he said he had had his run in with like paparazzi types and these kind of smarmy people, so it's definitely based off of something. Yeah. Uh, I also love his line too of like twenty million is just comfortable enough to make everyone uncomfortable. Just <laughs> another like great fucking line. Um, yeah. And then we get the scene where Matthew McConaughey shows. Uh,
0: Matthew, what's his name? That's of not life? gonna get. That's not gonna get complicated. Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong. Yeah, I'll say Strong. For yeah, me. we could so, we could name them by the character name. So Matthew McConaughey
1: is Michael. Not, yeah, no, Mickey and and Matthew. I get it, but I'm gonna go back and forth, so it'll be fine. Um, but where he shows him the farm, the underground farm, um, and I love the little like when he does the explanation about all the people that can walk everywhere and all the shit you have to deal with, and he's like you know, the bird watchers, the, the lollygaggers, the, whatever the people that don't want you cutting your yard. And like, just the way that they represent those people as he's like going through it is so great.
0: Um, to show like, it's hard to hide this. And then it's like the only way to do it. I think it's so smart being like, the only way to do it is not only underground, but then you have all of these like bankrupt estates that, if you go underground for those, no one's going to fucking bother you about it. You know, whether they're in like foreclosure or they are being passed down and like he, like how he explains like half the tax is already taken out of it. And then he kind of makes up for it for the estate owners on the back end. I just think it's like a great explanation on, on for me though, when he shows, uh, ma- I also loved it. I'm sorry. Every time Matthew McConaughey in his character addresses Jeremy strong in his character. I love he, how he always addresses him by name. He's like, okay, Matthew, Matthew. Mm -hmm. I don't like this, Matthew, you know, like, like that kind of stuff. But what I was going to say is that when the weed farm gets infiltrated by the toddlers, I, the, my first thought, was uh jeremy strong sent those guys to rack down the price
1: yeah i don't think i don't think it's like i think it's fairly obvious what happened um
0: but it takes them forever in the movie to figure out
1: yeah no that is definitely like kind of one of the holes where like he doesn't recognize that it's the exact farm that he took matthew to and maybe they all look kind of alike once you get underground and so that's why it was like hard for him to tell but you think he would have put two and together a lot quicker than that, but you know it's neither here nor there. I do like when they go underground. He's like, uh, you know, if you were standing in my bush, you wouldn't know it, and you are standing on my bush. Um, and you, there's this lines too from Jeremy Strong's character too. He's like, well, it's too bad that this will go bankrupt in years when it's legalized, and you want me to pay four hundred million dollars for it. It's like he's already trying to undercut the you know the sale price, right? Matthew McConaughey.
0: I love his explanation for it though, right? Like it's going to be a, a billion dollar industry once it's legalized. Like you're, you're not thinking like wide enough,
1: half a trillion actually. Um, and then he explains too why he has to sell it. Cause that's a question that Matthew, that, uh, Jeremy strong has and that we have is like, well, then why are you doing this? He's like, you know, because I can't be the face of a legal business. Like I have too much blood on my hands. Um, and then we meet dry eye. You know, I think one problem critics have with these movies is, like, he has, like, very racist characters in them. And the <laughs> way that Hugh Grant talks about dry eye is just, like, line after line pretty, like, reprehensible. Um, and But I do love when he has dry You see dry eye just shooting indiscriminately in the air. And Raymond's like, I have to stop you right there. That's not the dry eye I know. And he's like, I know. I'm just trying to add
0: some action to it. <laughs> Uh Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem with it because it's it's not like that represents all of what Guy Ritchie thinks about that race of people. It's just a character. I think it works for the character because the character in and of himself is supposed to be like a, a slimy kind of unlikable character. But I think it gets away with it. I think he gets away with it because he's not the main character and he's kind of he's an unlikable one. The... I was confused while watching this because you explained to me a little bit about The Gentleman, how Matthew McConaughey is the antagonist, yet throughout the whole movie, he's kind of represented as the protagonist of the film.
1: No, yeah, you misunderstood me. I was actually listening back and editing um, our previous episode, Rock and Roller. And what I said is he's the main bad guy. Like, he's the big dick in this movie. You know, the big swing and schlong that runs yeah. everything, right? Yeah. And in the first one, it's what? Hatchet Harry. And he is like Brick the top. bad guy. He's the bad guy. Then Bricktop's the bad guy. Then Lenny is the bad guy, but sort of also the protagonist main character. And in this one, the main bad guy, but not antagonist, but the guy who is like doing the illegal thing that runs everything is now kind of the guy that is our protagonist that we like like and are rooting for.
0: But then on the other hand... I guess that's true. It's such a weird way to kind of put this movie in that. It's a very interesting way because even though McConaughey is our guy we're rooting for, I guess. He's never the focus of the of the thing, like everything we see him is in a is in a flashback. And so the only people we see in present time is Hugh Grant and Charlie Hunnam. And you could almost say that Charlie Hunnam is the main character, except he just kind of goes along with the whole story. That's not like, that's the vessel to which the story is being told.
1: Well, like all all four of these movies we've done, it's like an ensemble piece. There is not really a main character of any of them. Um, And the fact that it's like a plot device, Matthew McConaughey's story is told from like the past for most of it. I mean, it's like, I don't know. Um, I don't think it matters too much to. I
0: guess up to the point where he fake gets killed, right? Then we're kind of caught up to like Oh no, I guess I don't know, man. Are we not caught up until like they start infiltrating Charlie Hunnam's house? Uh it's when he
1: leaves, right? That's when we're caught up to the present, right? When when Hugh Grant leaves the house and then everything that happens after that. I mean, okay. But once again, I don't really honestly think that matters so. Um so now we get back to Hugh Grant um, he explains that the only like hole in the armor of Matthew McConaughey is his wife uh, Rosalind, um, and so Michelle Dockery plays that character, which I really love her in this. I think she's great. Um, originally was supposed to be Kate Beckinsale, but she had like oh. personal matters she had to take care of. That would have been completely different to me. Um, it would have been interesting. A so a bit. Yeah. Um, and then I love when uh, Hugh Grant asks Ray if there's any chance for a stake. Once he sees the grill, and he's like, well, I have some Wagyu, which would be wasted on you, but it's all I've got.
0: And then he goes to the freezer and find Aslan's head. But she starts, he talks
1: into the camera and you're like, what the fuck is this? And then you see a head there and you're like, what the fuck is that? And then he says, Aslan, and you're like, okay, so this is probably going to come up.
0: And then it does, because then when they're looking for the girl for the estate owners, uh, it's one of the kids that's with her. Correct.
1: Um, but next we get dry. Eye gives the parts to Rosalind for a meeting. I love the lines to, uh, so first of all, she asks him about where the parts came from and he says, ask no questions here, no lies, which was a Mark strong line in rock and Rolla to Lenny, which I thought was cool. And then she says, what's the price? He's like, Oh, there is no price. There's no charge. And then she's like, okay, so what's the price? And she's like, I want a meeting with your husband. Um, and, and she's then, like,
0: to which she's like, fuck no
1: well she's a he's like just try um and then we get the meeting and I love the fake version first and this is like where Matt, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey gets like the boldest in this section that doesn't even happen which it does remind me of the Lord George part where he like drugs him later but it gets very loud the music builds up and he just starts like yelling at him like you know you're trying to do this to me take my territory and I love the, he's like you talk about the rule of the jungle there's only one rule when the lion's hungry he eats and he shoots him and he's like you know that Mickey doesn't operate that way. He's like, I know, I know. And then we get to see, uh, you know, what actually happens. And I love, he's like, I'm going to tell you this little parable. And it ends with, uh, and so then the lion put five bullets in his little dragon head. <laughs>
0: uh, and this is where the the paperweight gun comes into place, right? It's like given to him as a gift.
1: Uh, pretty soon after this. And it did remind me of the whole, when you see a gun, it's going to become useful. And then there's a scene later on where Matthew McConaughey like shows his wife and she takes it. And she's like, I'll get rid of it. And she just happens to take it up at her office where she'll need it later. Um, but yeah, the next scene is the toddlers robbing the farm. And this is one of like kind of the first instances where Guy Ritchie does the thing where he like shows you part of it, but doesn't show you the end of it. And then you get to see it later. So Toddlers, in a
0: full high production music video. Which is I think was really great.
1: So the toddlers go in there, you get all these guys keep getting called out like more and more, and you're like, oh, this might be a fair fight until you find out that the toddlers know how to fight and they beat the shit out of these guys later on. Yeah. Badly. Um, yeah. But before that, we get Colin Farrell in his introduction to this movie, and the scene is fucking great. I love the guy, these guys come in. He's like, the smell of wee in here. Take, t- take two steps back and wait your turn. The way Colin Farrell talks in this movie is just so great. For example, later on, he's like, I'm in the film business. He doesn't say film. He's like, in the film business. <laughs> like He adds an extra syllable at the end of it.
0: Also, it's like, you know, we're so used to seeing Colin Farrell as like the, the tough guy, right? And so, especially you're just imagining what he's going to be like in, in a Guy Ritchie film and for him to be like, no, my boys only fight when they're being threatened or it's, you know, he, he's like this, like almost like this peaceful coach, this peaceful he's like a, boxing he's like coach.
1: Like a sensei almost like, yeah, we, you know, you don't, you don't just fight people. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, I could go over the lines of that scene, but I love when he just beats the shit out of these kids. And at the end, he's like, you know, come down to the gym. We'll see what we can do with you. And they're like, are you the coach? Like, like he's famous <laughs> in this little area. I'm like, he's the fucking coach. Um, and then we get the to Tyler's music video. And then he tells them to take it down. And he realizes that they've completely fucked up. I love the little next scene when one of the guys who was like, operating the weed farm is like i'm actually really impressed with those guys whoever trained them is really good and McConaughey's like shut up he's like i'm just saying he's like well quit saying
0: <laughs> <Just> like, <it's- laughs> i like uh i like the one where uh coach like confronts one of his guys in the gym about the whole thing mm-hmm. and then he kind of gets like I don't know. Again, it's like everything's pointing to them being hired by Dry Eye. But then who's pulling the strings for Dry Eye? I, I think it's really obvious that it's Matthew. Yeah, it's the, Jeremy, Jeremy Strong.
1: Yeah, but from the coach perspective, like he doesn't know this world at all, right? So he's like, none of that matters to him. He doesn't know who Fahuk is. Instead of fuck, it's Fahuk. And then F-Huck. he doesn't know who Dry Eye is. He doesn't know who Matthew is. Like none of this, all of this is...
0: Dude, Me, that is it. one of the funniest fucking things in all of Guy Ritchie movies. Where the guy's name's Fuck, and then I don't know if you watch this with subtitles on, but then when Matthew McConaughey is like, "What the, what's the fucking problem?" It's spelled with a ph.
1: Well, he's also who's like, who's this jumping fuck boy? <laughs> was like, yeah, one and, of it's, and, and it's
0: spelled with a ph. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah,
1: that was a great one. Um The paperweight gun we already talked about. Um, We brought this up. But yeah, at this point when he's like watching the video of the farm, it's like you quickly should realize that this is the farm you took Matthew to within the last couple days. And now it gets robbed. And his wife even says there's fuckery afoot. But it's like how you have not spelled with a PH. You have to know right then and there (laughs) what happened. So. Um, but the next we get is the Pressfield's daughter is missing. This is one of the lords that he has a weed farm on. And that daughter is in real life, the daughter of Sting, who was in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh. So there you go. And apparently she mm-hmm. has a great voice in this movie. I don't know if she does in real life, but she's Sting's daughter, so I would imagine. Um, I, I love the little back and forth between... Uh, Matthew McConaughey and Charlie Hunnam where he's like, you know, I thought you would ask me to do this. I've done some digging. She's on an estate. I don't like it. It's outside of our jurisdiction. And Matthew McConaughey is like, that may be true, but you're still doing it. And he's like, he's like, I accept that, but why can't you send someone else? He's like, because you're my best man. I want you to do it. And he does this very subtle line. And this may be the first time I like heard this or kind of like internalized it where he's like, I don't like smackies. He's like, he doesn't like drug addicts. And so... Right when he goes there and one of the dudes touches his arm, he reacts very violently, very quickly of like, I'm going to fucking cut your arm off. If you touch me, <laughs> Like, I don't like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I didn't notice that. I mean, now I do, you know, now that, that makes sense on why he reacted that way. Um, but then also like being so violent to all of them. Um, was he – no, he wasn't. He was already downstairs when the other guy got pushed out the window, right? Yeah, so the guy that pushed him down the window
1: um, is the dude that Sherlock Holmes like breaks his jaw in the fight. The guy that spits on the back of Sherlock's head and he okay. does the whole hit him here, hit him here, hit him here thing.
0: Yeah, that's that guy? <laughs> that is that guy.
1: Uh, there's also this line that I caught for the first time this time where – It goes back to Hugh Grant for a bit of narration. He says, Ray, this is where you step on the stage and the dominoes go flying everywhere. And it's a subtle hint of like, oh, this is where you fucked up by killing this Aslan kid, which then has brought in the Russians, which has made all of this a ton more complicated for you. Um, Right. And it's also kind of like I want to talk about now, I guess, is like the reason that I'm kind of okay. you know, for most of this for most of the times I'd watch this, I'm like, man, I don't want them to kill Hugh Grant, but Hugh Grant was going to let Mickey and Ray get killed by these Russians. Yeah. Did, Did not give a shit about them. So it's like, you know what? I'm kind of okay with him dying in the end. Although if there's a sequel, he'll definitely be in it somehow.
0: So I know, but I mean, they kept it kind of up in the air, whether he died in the end. Right. I think it's just so, that they could bring
1: him in if they needed to, you know, if there's a sequel, um, you know, there's the TV show, which is going to happen. And so he could be in that, um, you know, so whatever, just keep your, uh, keep it open. Well, as Hugh Grant says, right before he gets trapped by Ray at the very end, he's the guy's like, who's he's a guy, Richie stand in, but not guy, Richie. He's like, well, you didn't even give me an ending. He's like, no, what I gave you is a sequel. He's like, that's what you want. Um, so we get to the scene where they go get Laura. Um, there's just like a lot of commentary from Charlie Hunnam's character in this about like smackies and different, you know, different things here. You ask if they know. Who it's Matthew kind of
0: is. funny, too, because rock and roll also had a bunch of junkies in that. And they were like bottom of the barrel, like, you know, obviously like scum of society representation in the movie. So it's like maybe Guy Ritchie just has a problem with junkies.
1: I mean, who doesn't? You know what I mean? Like, who's a fan? Oh, sure. are you, a, sure. are you a big fan? <laughs> like Heroin dealers.
0: Good...
1: Well, and, you know, we talked about how Matthew McConaughey is like the protagonist as like, but like the drug dealer in this. But he even later on in the movie, and I think, especially now with the way people feel about marijuana, He's like, I only deal in weed because it doesn't kill people. You know, I could have made more money in cocaine yeah. and heroin. And like I you, sleep, I
0: sleep well at night knowing that, or something along yeah, but those I'm lines.
1: Not, I'm not killing people. And as he's telling Lord George this, we see the Pressfield girl that just got rescued, ODing like in front of her parents, um, right? Probably dying. So um, definitely dying. Yeah, for sure. Probably she's not.
0: She's not she's, the sequel. She's not in the sequel, nor the TV show. If this was a Fast um, and the Furious, she would definitely come back, though. Yeah, and like the fifth movie, definitely.
1: For sure. Um,
0: she's like, you guys remember me? I'm Sting's daughter, motherfucker.
1: So we kind of see what's happening with like Laura decides to go right. And then um, we kind of get a hint that something bad happened. And then Ray goes to Matthew McConaughey and he's like, and this is when he's given the paperweight gun to his wife. And um, he's like, yeah, there was a little bit of an accident. Like someone died. And she's like, sounds like an, ext-. she's like, yeah, someone fell uh, off of a balcony. And she's like, it sounds like an extreme accident. He's like, yeah, it's more of a death really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, the whole, I was looking up the the name of the guy, but it's um, Lord George played by Tom Wu. And the whole taking him out through like dry eye, taking him out. I did not see that coming at all, which, which taking him out opens up the gate to like us being caught up to the very beginning of the movie where, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey is supposedly killed, supposedly killed. And so when we're caught up there, that whole thing of him trying to get to his wife, the car accident and him limping in and everything being intercut with what's happening to her is so great. I was like literally on the edge of my seat. Yeah, no, that's,
1: I mean, that's kind of probably, there's like three, like really great scenes to, well, there's a lot, but like the three that stick out to me are, yeah, Matthew McConaughey kind of saving her. Um, the scene we're about to talk about where he chases the kids and then the Colin Farrell and the, in the, uh, like the takeout restaurant um oh that's
0: right because they they're videoing the death yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so you know obviously we talked about charlie hunnam's where he like pulls the gun out and they're like why don't you drop the money and run boy And he's like quit fucking around cunt. this movie has to have the most uses of the word cunt it's yeah. got to be up there top 10 top five at least um yeah. I love after that scene, though, when the other, like, Dave is, like, hanging the guy over the balcony trying to get his phone. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to get it. <laughs> and then he, like, hands it to him. And then the the big black guy is, like, chasing the one kid as he's fucking with him on the bike. And then you see the car sitting there, so you know the door is about to open. And then he just, like, snaps his finger to give him the phone. Um, that's all, all very that good. That's all great. Um, and, then, and then the coach, we, I, this is probably one of my favorite scenes, too. The coach goes... back to his gym and he's like you know have you you know he's talking to someone on the phone he's like well as long as it wasn't mickey pearson's drugs which it shouldn't have been you'll be fine and then he goes up to um ernie who's the main toddler who's a rapper named bugsy malone in real life he's like you know ernie we need to figure out who's like who this is he's like it's a guy named fuck he's like fuck yeah fuck and then one of the other toddlers is like Ernie, what are you doing? I'm training here on my own. You black cunt. And he's like, Coach, you can't tell me that. He's racist. He's like, oh, I don't think it was racist. I think he was just call, you know, saying you're black and that you're a cunt. He's like, Yeah, but me being black doesn't make me a cunt. And he's like, Well, I don't think that's what he was saying. I think it that's was. The, that's you-
0: the conversation <laughs> I was talking about earlier. Uh, like, I love that. And
1: if you really think about it, it's more of a, a you know a, a term of familial affection. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then.
1: And then I love when he's like, Oh, I know whose weed we took And the Colin Farrell, like the screaming of like, well, now you tell me. And then he, uh, he comes up to him and he's like, just tell me it's not making Pearson." And he's like, "He's like, Oh, he's like, oh my Jetsu
0: God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. did you figure this out? And he's like, that is terrible news. And I love the next scene where he goes in, he talks to him. He's like, you know, my boys are good. Um, take anything out on me. I'll owe you a debt. And, uh, Ray's like, well, you know, first I need to know how you found my farm. And then after that, we can work on the rest. And he's like, I'll do you one better. They get the huck out of the car. He jumps immediately and gets run over by a train. And it cuts to Matthew McConaughey, who's like, you need to invest in parachute. There's a pattern emerging here. Now, who's this jumping fuck boy, which
0: we already (laughs) talked about. It's so fucking good, that part of it. Um. But but that reveals the fact that it was dry eye, right, that hired him. Yes. And then that like that circulates back to Matthew, Jeremy Strong's character, which like we talked about, we always knew this was, you know, don't you you think that
1: Matthew McConaughey probably just like kills dry eye right then and there when he finds out the Huck's involved. He's just like, all right, go kill dry eye.
0: Dry, dry Eye then proceeds to kill Lord George. I'm saying in
1: re- like if this was real people who are real gangsters in like a multi-billion-dollar weed adventure, that they would he would have just killed he would have killed Dry Eye right after he found Fahuk was involved because he's like you answer to Dry Eye.
0: Yeah, but doesn't he try? Like, isn't that his next move? No,
1: he goes to Lord George next and talks to him. He poisons him. And tells him, like, hey, you sent Dry Eye after me. Watch yourself. If you do it again, I'll kill you.
0: Oh, because he thinks that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, but that's kind of the same thing, right? He goes after Dry Eye's boss instead of going after Dry Eye himself.
1: And the point I'm making is that I think he would probably have just killed Dry Eye. Hmm.
0: Maybe there's a hierarchy thing, like a respect thing.
1: Well, I mean, he kind of points out like, hey, I can get you whenever. Like, I'm not scared of you. You should be scared of me. So I, I don't I don't know about that. Um, and I, I do love when he says he's like, if I can get you in your kitchen, I can get you anywhere. Just like, don't <laughs> fuck around.
0: When uh, when we first see the guy like pouring the thing into the the dish, I just had a feeling. I was like. That looks like poison. But then it actually played out to be poison. Um, So then Dry Eye goes to visit uh, McConaughey's wife in this. To, what, like to first try to kill Matthew McConaughey? And then he's not there, so she's there?
1: No, he's going to kidnap her until Matthew McConaughey sells the business. Which is like...
0: I don't know how that works
1: with an illegal business. There's not like paperwork where you're like, all right, I guess you sign over the land maybe. I don't know. Um, Seems a little weird. But uh, (laughs) Let's go to the bank.
0: Let's have this notarized. Um.
1: (laughs) Sign over all your plant to me. Um, So yeah, we, we do get a little scene real quick before this where Hugh Grant shows Raymond, Charlie Hunnam, that Matthew and dry eye were talking at like a soccer game.
0: Um, Oh, and even before that, <laughs> we show, uh, Charlie Hunnam's guys trying to remove Aslan's body, but then Hugh Grant walks out of the bathroom in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but I think I'd love the scene where there, he's like, Oh, I had it translated. And he, <laughs> uh, Jeremy strong says something about octopus and you can see like, Hugh Grant kind of stop and he's like, and um, uh, Ray's like, that's kind of a bad translation. He's like, there's nothing wrong with the translation. Matthew's Cantonese sucks. (laughs) Um, That's really good. But yeah, pivotal scene where we, it's the beginning of the movie again, basically Matthew McConaughey. We think he gets shot, but instead Raymond comes in at the last second, shoots the guy that's going to shoot Matthew McConaughey. And I do think the movie does a really cool thing where we don't even know who that guy was that tried to shoot him. And they don't know but he knows. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But he just had a call with Rosalind where she's getting taken by dry eye. So he immediately has to start focusing on that. And the movie in the beginning said, like, the most important thing to Matthew McConaughey is his wife. So like, and I don't know, I just, I love everything about this, except Rosalind pulls out the gun. She says, I'm not going anywhere. And she's like, I only have two bullets, so I'm not going to fuck about and show its significance. And it's like, if you
0: just said it only has three bullets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Nah, but I mean I guess it's that lie on the spot like critical thinking sort of thing. Um on top of uh, on top of that though, uh, bu- 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 what was I gonna say? The unreliable narrator, which is Hugh Grant, not mentioning That Jeremy Strong then bends, like, looks like he's walking away from the soccer game and then bends down and is like, then gives the last piece of information being like, oh, you work for me, though, you know, because because that whole uh, conversation in the soccer game looks like they're rivals looks like they're going to, you know, up against each other. But then the key piece of the conversation which Hugh Grant leaves out is the fact that they're working together.
1: Yeah, but I think you already gathered that from, like, the rest of the conversation. You know what I mean? Not in its entirety,
0: though. Like, it doesn't really, like... The final puzzle piece doesn't really fall into play until you get that bit of information.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. I I love... So, after Dry Eyes kind of, like, pushed her over the desk and then you kind of see her eyes, she locks in on Matthew McConaughey. The immediate fear in Dry Eyes' face... And then the fact that Mickey doesn't say a word just sh- kills him like you know what I mean there's no like let's not draw this out it's just you you touched her, and now I'm just gonna kill you like immediately I thought was was great.
0: what's insane is that he's gonna do that to her like now i it's just it's i mean I guess if you want to stop that your villain is a real villain, sure, but like
1: but also shows he's like, he's reckless and he's like not ready for this leadership role that he's taken. Right. Like the uh, Lord George has died and we find out later that he's the one that killed him and and pissed on him. Um, But, you know, he's at Lord George's funeral and this other, you know, leader is like, you know, you're in charge now, you know, avenge this or whatever. So he's actually gotten like permission from his gang to like, to do this. But um, yeah, he just, he doesn't think right. Like he should have, Grabbed her and gotten her away from there. Um, not that he had enough time to; like, it still wouldn't worked out. But um, yeah, he's just he's an idiot. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we finally get to the end of Hugh Grant's like narration. He says he's taking pre- precautions. Um, and then, uh, but he does tell Matt. He tells Ray like a couple little facts. Like Matthew told Dry Eye he could have a job if he lowered the price of business so Matthew told him he like Matthew told Dry Eye to do this and where to go. Um and then he told him that Dry Eye killed Lord George and that you know basically Matthew is indirectly like he says Matthew indirectly has caused a war. And of course Raymond thinks oh with the Chinese. But it's actually like with the kind of with the Russians too is there's like another war that they don't really know about. That's sort of unrelated. Um, The next is when Coach kidnaps Big Dave, um, I think is, it's gross, um, but, but pretty funny. I love when he like goes down, he's like, Russ knows karate. And all the guys get out of the van, he's like, careful, boys. Russ here knows
0: karate. And he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm only a blue belt. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, sir. He locks himself in the car. Um, yeah. And then like the, the scream you hear from Big Dave being like, just play the videotape. And then you don't need to see anything else. Like just everything's laid out. <laughs> well, Colin Farrell's
1: like, I think we know what part you just watched. But then later on when Ray's watching it, he's like, Oh, you naughty, naughty girl. <laughs> like you can hear Big Dave talking to the pig. And I love the look at one point where uh I think Ray's like, Oh, you can't unsee that. And it pans to Colin Farrell, who's just looking at him with these crazy eyes, like, yeah, it's nightmare fuel. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh <laughs> oh and at one point he says it wouldn't have been the pig i chose which is another
0: fucking great line um so where are we now where are we now we are towards the end and i think uh hugh grant is called back to charlie no, Hunnam's not yet. House, right not well, yet I mean, sort happens? of
1: well it's the i mean this all sort of happens at the same time but like Next in the movie, we get shown the meeting with Matthew, which is, like, one of my favorite parts. And probably, like, if you're Hugh Grant, it's, like, the part you signed up for. Or, sorry, not Hugh Grant. Matthew McConaughey, it's the part you signed up for. So, he meets with Matthew, and then Jeremy Strong is, like, you know, we're ready to finalize the numbers. And Mickey's, like, we have the numbers finalized. He's, like, no, the situation has changed, Michael. (laughs) And then he basically goes through this whole calculation where he's, like, you know, you, like – you've lost 270 million in value. So it's really only worth 130 and I'll give you a hundred million and it's a real offer and it's cash and I can give it to you right now. And he's like, it's not about the first domino. It's about the last. And Mickey's like, well, it's interesting. You say that I like that, but I want to know who, who tumbled the first domino. And Matthew's like, that's not my concern. And he shows him dry. And he's like, am I supposed to know who this is? And I love the line that, um, Matthew McConaughey is like, well, you made one mistake and it's you seem to have mistaken me for some kind of a cunt.
0: <laughs> by the way, I had to look it up and there's a film called Nil by Mouth and it features the word cunt 82 times, which is more than any other film in history. But what's funny about Nil by Mouth is that it's a Southeast London film, obviously made in 1997, but it was Gary Oldman's debut as a writer director. How many did he get
1: in? Or, you know, was he in it? Did he get to say it?
0: Oh, I don't know. I think it was, um, it was just written and directed by him. He wasn't in it. Hmm. That's very nice. But, of uh, you. but yeah, but, um, uh, 82 times. And then there's, there's like other movies that 65 times, 35 times, but the gentleman isn't mentioned.
1: Well, I'll have to go back and, uh, count i have to go back and count yeah yeah it's a lot i mean it's definitely probably mid 40s in this right you would think no no, no. we'll do research after mm. maybe add it in i'll add it in the uh the insta post um okay so they come out of the freezer and then matthew looks and his uh Mossad crabs are not there and he says uh you know don't look for your musad crabs this is a fish market they found a home um and then he's like you know dude all of these lines from Matthew McConaughey in this part are so great he's like there's a price for the untidiness you created and he's like and you basically just did the math and it's 270 million and I'm keeping the business and he's like and he's like and that takes care of that but the other thing is someone put their hands on my wife and for that no money will do i want a pound of flesh and he's like i don't care where you take it from and if you can't take it you know my boy here right here can handle it and he's like but i love the a penny short or a gram shy and that freezer door will not open. And I actually, I watched this movie before we decided to do this. I watched this movie and I texted Garrett and I guess you can try and answer this too. Like I, I have some, some fat reserves that I could easily
0: like go for, but what are you cutting off to
1: get? I to knew account? you
0: were going <laughs> to fucking ask me this. It reminds me of that scene in seven where the lawyer for greed has to not greed. No, it is greed that has to like weigh the scale. And he kills himself by trying to take a pound of flesh from his body. Right. And so ever since then, I was like, where would I? I'm a pretty skinny dude. You know, I feel like if you cut within your stomach, you're just going to kill yourself. I, 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 I feel like my my like inclination is somewhere in the thigh, the upper thigh region. Um, probably there. I mean I guess it would be mostly muscle but muscle weighs more than fat anyways so then maybe you could get to a pound cutting into your leg muscle faster. I mean who needs calves really? Um I don't know. I would say like like thigh area, maybe one of my butt cheeks. That would hurt. But I don't think uh hey, I don't think there's a, a good answer to this. <laughs> what if you like like cut off my hair? Let's see how much we can get with that. <laughs> well, it's flesh right so i don't think that would fly
1: how much does an ear weigh? i don't know tarantino probably knows um yeah. yeah it's not an easy i'm definitely not doing it myself i'm like all right dude start cutting like let's figure this out what can we get like i would just i almost would just be like you know just fucking kill me like just, i don't <laughs> want to do this it also reminds me of like um have you seen jack reacher Uh, I I have. I mean, it's been a long time,
0: but I have. So
1: so there's at one point where the really like evil bad guy who is played by Warner Herzog um, (laughs) tells tells this guy that they can't trust him anymore, but he'll trust him if he shows his will to survive. And in order to show his will to survive, he needs to remove all the fingers from his hand. He's like, well, can you give me a knife? And he's like, I didn't have a knife in Siberia. I had to fucking chew them off. So then he tells the guy to chew him off and he's like, I can't fucking do it. And then he's like, they always choose the gun and then they fucking kill the guy. And I was like, yeah, I can't bite my fucking fingers off. Like, and also Warner Herzog, you had frostbite, you fucking asshole. I'm pretty sure that would make it easier to chew your fucking finger off.
0: I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that the force that it would take you to chew your finger off is a carrot. Is a carrot. and I but your but your brain stops you from doing that right like there's something about your brain that that stops you from doing that and i was like i was like i'm pretty sure no matter how hard i bite my finger i could snap a carrot way before i could break flesh Oh yeah no that hurt i'm not doing that
1: <laughs> um but so... no but
0: yeah i think i think there's no great answer for this thigh thigh. i mean it's like a saw thing right it's like it's exactly like a fucking saw thing i was i was on um uh matthew uh we did hellboy with a matthew's podcast um movie club and where we talked about seven and we were thinking we were talking about seven and how kind of like seven that one movie is better than the entire saw franchise in like, it's, it's reasoning on, on torturing people before killing them. And so it's like, yeah, it's definitely like a Saw seven ordeal that Matthew McConaughey is presenting to Jeremy strong here. And, uh, uh, I, I, every time I watch a bunch of YouTube videos about like interrogation and like criminals, like outing themselves or turning themselves in during, interrogation process it reminds me how lot how easy life is if you're not a criminal <laughs> that's a good thought um here's another question
1: if he does get a pound of flesh off and pay the 270 million does matthew mcconaughey kill him anyway that would fucking
0: suck that i'm would... pretty sure he does i'm pretty I mean, sure he kills him a... Listen, we're not even at the end of the movie, because right after this, Matthew McConaughey has way more problems to figure out before, you know, Jeremy Strong figures his shit out. Um, I love that you said this all happens at the same time, and it truly does, because as Hugh Grant is, like, explaining all this, and then we're cutting back and forth and seeing, like, the Russians infiltrating Charlie Hunnam's house... We lock they lock Hugh Grant in the in the trunk, right? Yep. Yep. But then they they let him out because he's like, Oh, I I have this bit of information that you need. And as he's being let go and he drives out, he sees the two Russian guys coming in and he Oh no, it's um sorry, it's Colin Farrell. It's Colin Farrell that's that's leaving and he sees the two Russian guys coming in and he comes back to help him and i love how hugh grant has no idea who coaches so the line where it's like and your scary friend is <laughs> such a, is such a great line well I, also too they don't show
1: him putting hugh grant in this box right he's just like ray can you tell this guy to stop i have something important to tell you um, and ray's just going on this line of, like this line of like you know you'll never be a predator with us you'll always be prey as he's cooking just cooking a steak um and then he lets him out to tell him, like, hey, you know, these Russians, they they know about Aslan and they're out for blood. And he's like, well, how do they know? He's like, and also he's like, why are you looking at your watch? And he's like, well, it's as I said, um, they're going to take Mickey right after this meeting. And of course, Mickey is getting in the car at the same time. So he doesn't have enough time to warn him. And Colin Farrell kills the two Russians that are going to come kill Ray, um, which this totally sets up for the next movie, right? Like but the then- Russian. Are-
0: no, no, of course. But then the toddlers want to take their revenge out on Mickey, but they think that, no? So I'm,
1: well, that part had always confused me what they said. And I think it's purposely confusing because you're like, I don't understand, but they're like, hey, we're going to help out with this Mickey thing. And it's like, what does that mean? And it's like, I for the first time I realized, they must have seen Dave get taken out. So Dave's dead. The Russians killed Dave the guy who killed Aslan, like he's gone because they took his car to pick up Mickey. I think they were like, we're going to take care of these Russian guys who've kidnapped Mickey. I think that's what that has to be,
0: but maybe not. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't take it that way. I took it that, that the, the the Mickey problem was that, uh, because Mickey killed, who did he kill? Well,
1: so here's the thing though. Mickey, someone that the toddlers liked, no, he didn't. But I think what I think what they could be referring to if you were taking this at face value is the fact that the coach is indebted to Mickey because of what they did. So, like, we're going to take care of the Mickey problem. That's what you're supposed to think. But you also have to remember that this is Hugh Grant talking to the Guy Ritchie stand-in. So it's like it didn't even have to have happened that way, but it 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 makes no sense if the toddlers were like, "We're gonna kill Mickey for you," because mm-hmm. Colin Farrell has like, "You guys fucked up, and I'm having to fix this." So it doesn't really make sense for them to like fuck it up more by trying to kill Mickey. So like, at the very least, I think they were trying to help Mickey out because they knew it would help out the coach. Um, but really, I just think it's like we don't know exactly what went down with that because Hugh Grant's explaining it, and he's like giving him like an ending or whatever, and the guys like. Oh, this is kind of, you know, this doesn't give me an ending. He's like, I know it gives you a sequel. Um, but I, I also like to, when Colin Farrell, you know, going back a little bit, Colin Farrell, when he kills the two Russian guys that are about to kill um, Ray, he holds up four fingers and he's like, you know, I three strikes and I'm out. I've already helped you three times and he's going to leave. And then he sees these guys and he just sort of is like a freebie, like, here, man, I'm helping you out again. And like, tells him like, Hey, it's the fourth thing I've done for you. I'm, I'm out. Um, and I, I like that little part of it. Yeah, And then we get to the end where he's telling the story so, to the guy, Richie guy.
0: So real quick, I took it as the toddlers are going to kill Mickey. They don't know that the Russians have taken out Dave and are also going to kill Mickey. And so it's just a happy coincidence that the toddlers they take Mickey. They, they're they killing Mickey to try to erase the debt from coach. I don't know. Something like that. Right. That doesn't
1: make it. I know. But I'm, what I'm saying is that makes no sense because the coaches told them you guys have already fucked up. Don't do this.
0: OK. You've watched this movie. It, it, it's come out like four years ago. You watched this movie like nine times. So just watch it again and pay special attention to how many C words are used and what the fuck the toddlers are trying to do at the end. Because I swear ex- to you. I've explained it to you that it's, it's Hugh Grant is an unreliable uh, narrator and it makes no sense. Yeah. I don't like that explanation. Sorry. Sorry. But I think they're trying to kill. Yours Mickey. is way worse. Yours no, makes I th- th- sense. no, I think they're trying to kill Mickey and it's funny. It's funny because they're trying to kill Mickey, but Milky- Mickey is already about to be dead because the Russians already took over the car. And then The toddlers kill the Russians, saving Mickey in in the process by accident.
1: No, didn't happen that way. Wow. Um, But as I already said, I love, you know, because of what Hugh Grant like did and basically allowing Mickey and Ray to get killed and only telling them once he was about to get killed. The fact that he gets caught at the end, I think is is funny and uh, and fitting. And um, we need a sequel. That's what we need. We need a sequel where Mickey fights the Russians and or a TV or a show, right? Well the show is for sure happening. I'm excited
0: for that one. It's funny when I look up the cast for the gentleman it it gives me like the you know how many is this one, two, three, four, five So the twenty top build people in this and then it gives me forty other people who I know for a fact are not in the movie. And I'm wondering if IMDb is just mixing up the cast for the movie versus the cast for the future show.
1: I don't know. So the four of the people, well, I'll just read off some of the people that are going to be in the show. Theo James, Vinnie Jones, Jolie Richardson, who we saw in that terrible space movie that you made me watch. Um, Which one? the the people sodomizing each other in hell. What was that one called again? <laughs> Event Horizon? Event Horizon, yeah. And then Kaya Scodelario, who I know mostly from the Maze Runner, but she's been in a ton of different things. Um, and, oh yeah, your boy Giancarlo Esposito is going to be in it, apparently. It's a good cast, man. That's a but a Jones, good. it's what you wanted.
0: So it, it is what I want. I want Vinnie Jones and I want um, Jason Statham.
1: Anyway, love this movie. Um, it's my favorite of the Guy Ritchie's uh, that we've done and uh, those are my thoughts
0: yeah I agree this one this one's really strong I'm I'm Jeremy knowing strong. who this guy is <laughs> uh, even stronger with him uh, knowing who Guy Ritchie is and how he gotta start watching his like you know the movies that he loves to make re-watching Sherlock and Man from Uncle. And maybe even Aladdin. No, I'm not gonna rewatch Aladdin. Never mind. But now, but now I, I want to rewatch those and and just think about what the filmmaker Guy Ritchie is. And I think I'm gonna see those films in a in a new perspective.
1: So Guy Ritchie is attached to Aladdin two, um, which is like, is that going to be Jafar's
0: revenge?
1: It's Return of Jafar is the oh. the cartoon. Um, I don't, the, the guy who played Jafar was like, I don't know, are you gonna have a whole movie centered around him as the, like the, your protagonist? Antagonist, anti pro, whatever. I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, that's neither here nor there. Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Lon, and I finally watched The Gentleman. The Gentlemen.